police in the morning. Welcome, B-Movie fans, to another B-Movie interview. I'm Paul, and joining me today are filmmakers Kevin and Jennifer Slitter, who lead the production company Sunshine Boy Production. And they are here to talk about their production company, as well as their film, Play Violet for Me. Kevin and Jennifer, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having us. Yeah, really excited. Appreciate the opportunity. Definitely. Thanks for joining. Um, this is actually my first podcast, our first yes, podcast. Yes, our first so, one, for so sure. So thank you very much. <laughs> no problem. But I, could, um, I could usher you into the world of podcasting. All right. Thank you so. Here we go. <laughs> so what inspired you two to start a film production company? Uh, that's an interesting question. Um, when I first came out to Los Angeles, I, I really never thought of producing a film. And then um, I was actually on the set of a friend of mine's movie, who's, who's Matt Mercer, who directed and starred in Play Violet for me. And it was just him and a bunch of his friends filming a movie in that friend's apartment. And I was like, man, that's that's just a super cool way to, to do things. And I hadn't really thought about that. At that time, I was writing kind of higher budget sci-fi specs and, and shopping them around town and that sort of thing. And I was like, well, why don't I just go out and make something? So I was driving home that day, and this crazy idea got in my head uh, of this noir short film. And I pitched it to Matt, and he dug it. We worked on the script back and forth, me sending him drafts and, and us honing it down. And then we went into production. Um, and then after it was produced... I was like, whoa, I, I guess I'm a producer now, so I probably need a company. <laughs> so uh, we formed the company, and then um, as we were marketing uh, Play Violet for me, uh, Jen hopped on board um, with marketing and, and advertising and, and social media, that sort of thing. So we became kind of a two-headed monster uh, uh, putting stuff out there. Yeah, that, that's it exactly. <laughs> Very cool. It was meant to be, I guess. <laughs> Maybe so. Yeah, I, I kind of always thought it was going to be me doing my thing and, and Jen doing her thing. She's a full-time pediatrician, so, uh, you know, it's it kind of a, a you know, a extra blessing that uh, that she came on board and was so enthused about uh, supporting the, the work that we did. How did you come up with the name Sunshine Boy Productions? <laughs> it's, a, it's a nickname I got. It was, it was a... a it came from a, an interesting place. It was actually a really bad day. Uh, like I said, I was writing these larger budget uh, sci-fi specs, and I had had one turned down by a very major agency, uh, <laughs> one of the big four, and that was kind of a bad thing. And I got to went into a little bit of a tailspin there, and she came in from work and asked me how my day was, and I was like, you know what? It's just let's just hit the road and, and solve crime. And she was like, well, what are our superhero names going to be? And she's kind of the the person behind the scenes kind of always making sure everything's logistically correct so i was like oh you'll be logistics girl and i'm always like supporting people and telling them they're awesome so i'll be sunshine boy and a friend of mine kind of got that moniker and ran with it and you know started calling me that and then you know when the time came to bring up the company i was running with him and he's actually played violet for me too he plays remy um i was running with him and uh he's like sunshine boy productions and i was like uh, cool. I like the ring of that. It's different, and 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 it gets questions. So right. you know, so right. it kind of fit, you know, and then it kind of fit our whole philosophy behind, you know, just supporting different filmmakers and and getting their work out there as well. Yeah, I think it's kind of funny because we produce sci-fi and horror and noir, so it's a uh, it's just an interesting little intro people want to know about, and um, and then it also turned into the our possibilities of helping other people and things that we've done. 
so we sort of like to help other artists and the other work that we've done. And so taking that name and, and turned it into just a supportive type of, type of role. Very cool. Definitely gets people talking, that's for sure. <laughs> so could you tell us a bit about your film, Play Violet, for me? What's the general plot and the themes going on in the film? Uh, the general plot is uh, it's about a, this loner who is completely obsessed with this girl who is always in the bar that he frequents um, named Violet. And everything is about her. Um, he's he's kind of has this fantasy life revolving around her. And then everything kind of gets turned upside down in his life when he finds her dead on uh, her kitchen floor. So then he enlists Violet's twin sister, Lila to uh, come in and help him sort things out and then things get kind of turned upside down even more. Um, so the, the themes of the story are uh, about obsession and uh, the tangled web that it weaves, so to speak. And, and uh, all the all the characters in the film outside of Violet are obsessed with Violet. So uh, it's, it was just kind of a cool little noir um, short that I decided to do. When I saw the film, I really liked it. And I started to notice there seems to be like the question of identity with it, of trying to, how do you define one's individual identity? It seemed like with the twin sisters, everyone held uh, Violet up to this um, high standard of being this great embodiment of perfection while not really thinking much of, um, I think it was Lila was her name? Yeah, yeah, Lila. Yeah, and just how they seem to not really have identities of, them, of for themselves, but what other people seem to think they should have and how they were defined by each other like at one point Remy says to um, Lila why don't you play Violet for me which at least I thought meant that he kind of saw her as as kind of interchangeable so it definitely seemed like there was a lot going on with that I thought it was very well done (laughs) he's kind of a violent addict so you just can't get enough um yeah I'm glad you brought up identity um that was that was one of the things that that I wanted to touch on it's been a a theme in in several of the things that I've done um and I I just do think it's fascinating how we we put our worth in in other people and we we watch them and and you know especially with with social media times and that sort of thing well we can create identities and they can create identities and and who is real and you know the i guess the tagline of the movies who's playing who you know it's all about how you know people take on the or or want to be around a certain person you can call it celebrity worship or whatever this is in a small town um but everybody kind of wants to be around violet because they feel that they are it's in some way a better person because of that association and then you know because of that uh intense obsession that they have with her everybody's life is is kind of turned upside down what originally inspired the idea for play violet for me um, I, I've always been fascinated with noir. It originally started out as a neo-noir, more like a like a Soderbergh out of sight kind of thing that um, as I worked on it with Matt, it became more of a full-on noir with the black and white photography and the stark lighting and all that. That came fully into view when, when we went into production and, and the uh, director of photography, Patrick McGinley, came along and, and kind of took it in that full-on noir direction. But I've always been fascinating with fascinated with noir film when i first started watching movies like 
critically, I guess, when, when I was 18 or 19. Um, <laughs> to show how old I am, um, I actually would go down to um, the library in my hometown of Asheville, uh, and you could get VHS tapes for free. <laughs> that was before DVD. That was, you could get VHS tapes for free, and a lot of the movies that I watched were these old black and white movies, Key Largo, Maltese Falcon, uh, Casablanca. The first movie I watched on a date with Jim was Casablanca, actually. Um, you know, I was just obsessed with that kind of photography and that kind of um, kind of tragic romance that that a lot of those uh, 40s and 50s noir films had, and and I just thought this would be the opportunity to do it in a in a short film setting, and uh, and Matt was game to do it. Very cool. I like how it starts in black and white, but like during the flashbacks in the past, it's all in um, color. I thought that was an interesting kind of style choice. Yeah, that, that was cool how that came about, because in the original script, that's how I had it written. And then I was like, oh, I don't know, you know, they, they tell you in screenwriting is like, don't don't write the direction. So I was like, all right, that's kind of telling the director what to do. So then I took it out. Um, and then, you know, as we were in pre-production and it was me and Matt um, and Patrick McGinley, the, the DP, you know, um, McGinley was the one that kind of offered up that idea of uh, how about let's let's do, you know, do the black and white and color mix and I was like boom yeah um but I like the idea of color being the the past and, and black and white being the uh the present um I just thought that was uh, a nice touch and and also how how our memories of what things could have been or what things were are often more lifelike than than our present reality um so I like that touch and that's kind of why we went with that definitely interesting what qualities do you think make a great film? And could you give us some examples of films that you would consider great? Oh, wow. Um, just like what you were talking about, a, a strong theme, you know, um, like if I were to say what's a great film, the first one that, that goes to, to mind is Children of Men and, and um, just the, the themes in that and, and you know, the, the things that you have to do to, to survive and, and that apocalyptic setting and everything. I, I think having a strong theme and um, relatable characters who um, are struggling to get through something and, and through that connection, you uh, you make the point of your film. I think that's a, a great like hallmark of a, of a great film is, is something like that. Um, Fisher King, I, I love that one. That one's like a, a visual storytelling and themes of redemption and, and um, people that um, are in a lower spot at the beginning and then through their relationship, um, you know, come out different in the end. I just think that's that's just just the change in a character, and we want to believe in change um, as as viewers. So when you have that change in a film, um, I think that's what makes a great movie. And there's just so many different forms of a great movie. Uh, I think that's another thing. What advice would you give someone who wants to make their own independent films? Speaking from my experience, it's get to know people. Um, this opportunity didn't come about. Uh, if I hadn't gone to the set that day, um, you know, I knew Matt and he invited me to the set. This whole world might not have been opened up to me or, or I might not have experienced it in the same way. So I think for writers, um, especially, it's very easy for us to kind of sit in a house. We're, we're rather introverted and, and, you know, kind of sit there and, and wait for things to happen. Um, things really didn't start happening with, with this film and other films that we've been involved with until I got out of the house and started, you know, getting on some film sets and seeing it. And then it becomes more of a reality. If I were to say, like, my advice for somebody coming to town, I would say get a job in the industry somehow. The first job I had in the industry was in development. So... 
by having that job, I uh, got to know how to communicate with uh, like agents and managers and producers and um, talent and that sort of stuff. And, and you know, I kind of fell on my face a few times, too, because it's brand new to me. But just getting out there and experiencing the different types of uh, jobs in the industry can open up opportunities for you, can open up relationships for you. And the relationships that I've made through just that first experience going to Matt's set and then doing Violet, um, those are some of my, my best friends in the world now. Um, and I hope to make more films with them. So I would say just get that core group of people, people that are interested in, in film and making films and, and maybe the types of films that you like. And just, I don't know, phones are so amazing. Now go out and shoot something on an iPhone, see if you can edit it. Um, you know, there's just all sorts of different ways to uh, to get out there and, and experience it and make movies. It's amazing how nowadays uh, film is so much more accessible, not only just like watching, but like even creating. You can, um, like you said, you can basically create something on your cell phone with better quality than, um, act- than most cameras were a few years ago. Yeah, but a film played Sundance that was filmed on an iPhone. Yeah. So it's pretty amazing. <laughs> Yeah, I would also say for for the marketing side of things, um, for advice, is that um, to not ignore that. I know it's tough for people who are in this industry because they don't want to brag about themselves or uh, don't want to be too showy, but but not to ignore that side of it because um, it's been a really valuable part of what we do. Um, and there's so many programs out there and, and easy things you can learn uh, to do web design and also social media marketing. Um, the latest statistics say that there's uh, almost 80% of people in the United States have some sort of social media account. And uh, there's over 2 billion people in the world who are uh, somehow involved in social media uh, you know, with their um, different accounts. So it's, it's a very powerful tool and very affordable tool that you can use. Uh, in fact, you know, but we met we met through Twitter, and this is, uh, interview's occurring because of that. We've had some reviews from that, and Violet's been viewed all over the world. And also, it, it's fun. Um, you know, that's the thing that surprised me the most about it was that uh, you're able to chat with somebody halfway around the world about your film and what they liked, and what they didn't like, and what movies they're into, and so. So I would say just also, when you're doing all of that, just don't ignore the social media and the marketing part because it really, really helps uh, a very small company grow. Here on, on B-Movie Bros, we like to ask this question of everybody we interview. It's kind of a question that Corey and I debate a lot, but we like to get the opinions of the people we interview. What is your opinion on hairless cats? <laughs> the, the the first thing I think about is, is Dr. Evil, um, but I, I, I don't know, you know, uh, my relationship with cats has been kind of like, it's not that they don't like me, it's just like I'm not in the room, so it's like I kind of have a feeling about cats, whether they're, they're hairless or, or they have hair, it's just kind of like, I don't know, I'm just kind of a dog guy. Um, it's nothing really against cats. I, I guess I feel bad because they don't have any hair and, you know, I'm getting to be older and I'm fearing like going bald. So, you know, I, I kind of feel bad for them on that part. I'm in support of their rights as hairless cats. Uh, I'm fully in support. I don't know. I don't know how to well, answer. That, that's hilarious. Yeah. So, um, hairless cats, uh, the, the pediatrician inside of me is coming out right now because uh, they're actually an exercise in futility. Uh, I'm not sure who got the idea that the allergenic portion of an animal is contained in their fur or their hair, but it's actually not. Uh, these poor things were bred 
bread for this reason, and actually they don't really help out if you have a cat allergy. So I, I think it's uh, a sad thing that occurred. I feel bad for these cats. Yeah, because Corey really likes them. He thinks that they're real cute. I, I, I always think that it's just something we as humans did wrong to the animal kingdom. It's like <laughs> that's where we experimented too far. It's like just just leave them alone. They they didn't do yeah. anything to us. Yeah. <laughs> totally. <laughs> so, are there any projects that your company is currently working on or planning to work on in the future that you could share with us? We have a, a few short films that we hopped on board uh, last year, that one of which is, is playing uh, film festivals now. It's actually playing the Oxford Film Festival this week. We're, we're heading out on Wednesday to go to that festival. We're really excited about that. It's called Feeding Time. It was a horror short, or it is a horror short, written and directed by Matt Mercer, who, who uh, directed and starred in uh, Play Violet for me. So we're excited about that one. And then we had uh, a few other shorts that we EP'd uh, executive produced this uh, this year that are going to be coming out, or last year that are going to be coming out this year. Um, one's like a, a suburban apocalyptic movie. Another one is a uh, kind of sci-fi thriller, and another one is a heist action film. So I guess we we tend to go toward kind of higher concept uh, short films, but uh, we're very excited about those. And then on a personal front. Um, I'm currently writing a short that I'm uh, hoping to put together and direct and kind of, you know, my, my New Year's resolution was to try new things. So um, I want to put the director's hat on and, and do that short film um, in hopes of uh, directing a feature, which which I'm uh, currently revising, um, getting the last touches on. Um, and hopefully we can move into features next year. A lot of cool things going on, sounds like. Very excited. Yeah, it's going to be a cool year. We're, we're very excited. And where can we follow you to learn more about Sunshine Productions and um, follow all your future projects? Yeah, so you can you can find us everywhere. <laughs> if you don't have a computer, you can't find us or a smartphone. Um, <clears throat> so uh, to follow most of what we're doing, our website is uh, sunshineboyproductions.com. And each of our films have their own website as well. Um, you can view uh, Play Violet for Me on the Sunshine Boy site or also on playvioletforme.com. Uh, it's also on Vimeo and YouTube. Uh, then all of our um, work and our uh, all of our films and our company are all on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. So uh, and we have personal accounts there too. So basically, you can find us everywhere. <laughs> and we love to connect. We love for um, your listeners to to reach out and uh, and chat. We love to talk with other people about movies. So that'd be really cool. Sounds good. So there you have it, B-Movie fans, Sunshine Boy Productions, a film production company led by husband and wife team Kevin and Jennifer Slutter. Make sure to check out their short film, Play Violet for Me, and all their f- other projects. Uh, Kevin and Jennifer, thanks for joining, and it was a pleasure yeah. talking to you guys. Well, thank you so much. Uh, first podcast complete. That was awesome, man. We had a blast. Yeah, it was Definitely. great. Thank you a lot. Thank you. I don't want to see you in the room.